Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Chris Watkins, Frankie Cardicelli, as always, joining us this week. Very special guest, Bobby Gerald of HoopObsession.com. Bobby, I know you were in Vegas last week. I I definitely have to ask you this. Would you rather be in the scorching Vegas heat or actually I don't I, I'm assuming you live in Sacramento or near Sacramento. Sacramento skies right now are incredibly ugly. Uh, which which one would you rather be in? Yeah, I prefer the Vegas heat over the smoke for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's really we're, we're in Rockland and it, yeah, it's in the foothills. I think it's a little bit worse because we don't really get the Delta breeze out here. So, oh. um, yeah, so it, it just kind of sops in. I always say, you know, to I have a lot of friends in the Midwest and stuff from auto racing stuff that I do. And, and uh, I always tell them, you know, California is great, but to me, the worst thing about living in California is, is kind of this fire season, you know, that, that now has become a thing and where it's like, you know, mid August through October, you know, we just deal with this and my heart breaks every time I see, you know, what's going on for all these people. It's just, it's terrible. And that, you know, and then the smoke being kind of a, a you know, uh byproduct of of all that stuff you know you, you just have to deal with it but man it's it's no fun that's for sure yeah and it all it all happened so fast too it's just i not even two three days ago it was you know you, you can call it a beautiful summer day for sacramento it was about you know 96 and, and clear but uh the other morning i woke up and just you have that orange haze kind of coming through the window when you wake up and and it definitely is scary and i remember a couple of years ago uh the campfire up there in um butte county that was just very scary and, and you go outside for five ten minutes and i'd be worried about worried about my lungs and you can't even imagine just what those guys up there and, and those people have to deal with but um the smoke is tough the heat is tough uh, mm-hmm. vegas is hot uh it also was hot with summer league <laughs> it was it was it I was like it. it was no a very good it. it was a very good summer league for the kings bobby just kind of i know you were there for for the beginning portion what was the most impressive aspect of the Sacramento Kings Summer League team? Because they, they won their second championship. We'll have to hang the banner up. Now it's 2014, 2021. But what was your biggest takeaway from their championship run? I thought the uh, defensive intensity and then the unity um, combined, I thought those were two things that, that really stood out. And, I, I you know, I, I'm um, – someone who likes to be data informed. So I'm always really in tune with what the stats are saying and, and this and that. But uh, one thing I've learned over the course of the years, um, when I first started out kind of, you know, making this kind of a life study for myself, um, I was a lot more just driven by the analytics and, and you had, you'd have a hard time convincing me that intangibles meant what they, what they really mean. And, <laughs> and over the years, you know, I, I really lean on a couple of things. One is that defense literally is half of the game. And there just aren't defensive analytics yet that, um, in my opinion, do a great job of focusing in and and uh, identifying the players that really make a difference on defense. It's something you kind of need to see for yourself and have a feel for. And um, I think we saw that with Davion, um, you know, at the, at the, right at the point, he's picking up the opposite point guard and he's, he's in their grill, man. And he's making it difficult for them. And uh, Dave Yeager used to say, you want people to feel you and uh, man, you feel Davion Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, he was, he's in people's shorts. So I, and I think, and then it starts from there and then, 
you could see every time he would make a, a great stop or uh, give an intense effort up front, then the bench would respond and it energizes his teammates. And then that leads to offense in transition and the good kind of feel good offense. I mean, you know, when you get a defensive stop and then you get out in transition and score, that's the kind of stuff that, that, that brings teams together and gets them all hyped up and it gets the fans hyped up. And so um, I just thought that that was outstanding from this team. And, you know, I'll give, give a lot of credit to, to Bobby Jackson, um, you know, with kind of a, keep a simple approach to coaching, um, you know, go out there and play. You guys know what you're doing, but, but bring the intensity. And, and then, you know, like a couple of times, you know, Bobby can be pretty blunt, you know, and he'll say, like he said, we love him. Yeah. We had guys out there thinking they were the Harlem Globetrotters. And, you know, <laughs> if you do that again, you're, you know, you're not going to play. And, um, so I, I thought the combination of uh, the, the intensity on defense, the unity, and then uh, Bobby's coaching, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, you talked about the defensive impact of Davion, and I'm, I'm, I've been, I mean, I think it's the question that we're all thinking is, is that, is he going to impact the team from day one? Do you see um, this team really make a switch? I mean, I'm, is it even possible to make to flip a switch as as bad as the team was this uh, last year? But is Davion the type of guy to come in day one and set the tone and really you see it ripple throughout the team? Or is that too I, much I, to ask from a from a yeah, from a Yeah, I, I would just say this, that that it certainly isn't going to hurt to have a guy that, that brings that intensity and does it. I mean, um, you know, there's still always a part of me that's that's going to say you've got to prove it. You've you got to go out and show it that you can do it against uh, the top-notch guys. Um, Peyton Bridger's a nice player. Um, some of the, you know, some of the other guys in summer league are nice players, but they're not Damian Lillard. Um, you know, they're, they're not even in practice what he's going to see against De'Aaron Fox. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see, but I think anyone with eyes could see that this guy is getting after it and bringing it and, and that it had an effect on his teammates and he has a track record of doing that too. Right. I mean, you looked at, at Baylor, he did the same thing. He took the heart out of the Gonzaga. Uh, team and and they they ripped them apart and I, I really thought that was going to be a good game and it just wasn't um I, I actually thought the Celtics were going to smoke the Kings in the summer league championship game and that didn't happen at all so um so yeah I mean I think it's I think what he brings is real and I it's a good point because it's summer league and like you said we, we can't read too much into these things and but, but the thing that kind of stuck out to me was Boston and again it was one game but their roster they had Carson Edwards, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith. They they have guys that are going to be in the rotation, pro- probably in the rotation next year, yeah. at least. And and is it something that Kings fans can look at and be, I don't know if impressed is the right word, but satisfied watching guys like Jemias Ramsey, Robert Woodard, uh, Nemias Keda, just these guys going out there and, and just taking it to a Celtics team that has NBA talent already? Yeah, I, I, I- I would put a lot of a lot of that. I thought uh, Davion played great. I thought Lewis King played great. Um, I thought Jemias Ramsey really showed me something in Vegas. I don't, didn't think he played particularly uh, well in Sacramento, but in Vegas, I thought he played well. And just like a little tidbit, I was leaving uh, one of the days. I watched a couple games, and I'm in the taxi line, and and uh, there in Vegas, and out of the taxi comes Jemias Ramsey. He's arriving on his day off to watch basketball. And I just thought that's good. You know what I mean? That's, it's a small little thing 
but that's good. That's what you want. You want guys that are involved and, and, um, and ready to get after it. And I thought Jemias, um, showed a little more ability in transition, um, than I had previously seen. And I thought also thought he showed a little, uh, more confidence in his shot. He just looked, he looked like a second year guy who had been around the block. Whereas every other time previously that I watched him, he didn't look like that. Um, it's probably the nicest way I could put it. Uh, Robert Woodard, I thought really struggled. Um, and you know, he's, he has great length and you see the physical tools. Um, not quite sure there, you know, what his future will be. Um, uh, Kata, I thought looked good at times. Uh, I thought he did some decent things. I thought his hands were a little bit better coming in than what I witnessed in summer league. Um, he had one really, if you guys remember, uh, like it was like a one handed put back somewhere near the basket where he just like grapefruited the ball and, and kind of put it back in. I was like, yeah, now those are the hands I thought I saw in college. Uh, but then there were other times where there were some pocket passes that he just dropped. Um, and so maybe it may, you know, it's just me. Um, I, I down Kata just a little bit. He looked a little bit more like a G league center to me than a, than a backup NBA center, you know, but you know, he's young too. Bobby, we can't have you uh, disrespecting to me as Kata uh, on, on the podcast because we, we're trying to get views, man. Okay, I don't know if you know, like Namias is is content gold. Okay, we can't no. we can't have have okay, this. definitely not not any disrespect. Uh, I, respect all, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I respect all these guys. Uh, that you know, it, it, it's kind of my thing as a talent talent uh, yeah. evaluator in quotes. You know what I mean to uh, to to look at these guys, but um, uh, it, you know he's he certainly is a big body, and he did do some good things on defense for sure. Yeah. And 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 he's he's gonna he's gonna play in Stockton. He's gonna get a chance yeah. to play play decent minutes uh, off the get go. And when you look at kind of what who can be on that Stockton Kings team, uh, Lewis King, a guy on a two way contract, he was probably besides Mitchell the best player out of a summer league with the Kings. Uh, do you see Lewis King as a guy who, if the Kings can't add any more depth at the small forward position, do the Kings convert him to a full contract at any point? Do you see that as a possibility? I could, I would think it could be a possibility. He's still young. I mean, you know, and, and he definitely flashed potential. I thought his decision-making was really good. He had 12 assists and only two turnovers in, in Vegas. Yeah, uh, six to one assist to turnover ratio. And, and, you know, for a guy who can – make shots out on the wing and also put it on the deck a little bit and get into the paint. Um, he impressed me. So, you know, I thought Lewis King was good and, and I'd give him a, I'd give him a chance Two ways still sounds probably about right uh, on him to me. Uh, but, but there's a chance, you know, that that's a funny position in the NBA. I think to find guys on the wing that have length and the ability to, to put it in the hole um, is, is a very valuable thing. And, and, you know, if you can, if you can be a wing with his scoring ability, uh, and, but also be able to accurately shoot, you know, which is something he can he can improve as time goes on, um, then you can advance very quickly in the NBA. Um, you know, look at a guy like Duncan Robinson. You know, if you watch Duncan Robinson in college at Michigan, you would have never anticipated that he'd be doing, you know, what he's doing and making the kind of money he's making right now yeah, in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah paid. Yeah, and Duncan Robinson obviously is a, a much better shooter than Lewis King, but Duncan 
can't even dream of doing some of the stuff Lewis can do off the dribble. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a young, a young piece to, to continue to mold and, uh, and hopefully going forward, you know, that, that bears some fruit. Someone that really impressed me from day one of the California classic was Emmanuel Terry. I mean, just with his energy, he would come in, uh, you know, he, he was a beast on the, on the boards. And just like I said, his energy was, was, you could feel it every minute he was on the court. Do you feel like maybe, I don't think Sacramento could give him a shot unless he wants to take a two way. Do you see him getting a deal somewhere else? Um, maybe so. I mean, I, I thought he certainly played, played well enough for people to, to, to look at him and, and take him more seriously. You know, he had a, a cup of coffee in the NBA with Phoenix and Miami in 2018 and 19 season. Um, and then kind of just fell off the radar. Certainly for me, I'll say he was someone I wasn't aware enough of. And I agree with you, Chris, his energy level, uh, you know, it, it complimented the Kings each time he was on the floor. He's only 24 years old. He knows exactly what his role is. He's a 6'9 rim runner and rebounder. And um, I thought he did very well for himself in Las Vegas. Yeah, and, and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Terry, he's, he's the exact type of player the Kings need. They they need those guys that have the high energy and, and the kind of bounce he has. And especially when you look at the the questions surrounding the future of, of Marvin Bagley. I'm not saying Emmanuel Terry is going to come in and replace Marvin Bagley, but depth at the four positions is just kind of a question mark for the Kings. And – when you look at a player like Emmanuel Terry, I don't think it would hurt having him as depth in Stockton. But then again, the Kings could have some moves up their sleeves. Uh, it's been a slow off season, not to kind of pivot off summer league. I just was kind of wondering what your thoughts were about the team as it stands right now. The training camp's probably what five weeks away at this point. Uh, opening uh, day for the NBA is in mid October. Uh, the schedule comes out tomorrow. Do you think that the Kings have made? all the moves, at least the big impact moves that they're going to make? Or do you think there still could be that dark horse move with a month to go until training camp? I think given all the, the smoke we've seen with Buddy Hill, I'd still kind of be surprised. You know, maybe it doesn't happen before training camp, but I still think somehow, some way, Buddy's probably going to get moved. And again, I don't have any insight, um, you know, inside scoop or anything like that. So I don't want anyone to think that, that I'm some <laughs> plugged in guy that, that knows, you know, what Monty McNair is thinking because I don't at all. Um, but I, I just think, you know, given all that we've seen and how close there was to being a deal earlier, I would say that, uh, you know, if anyone's going to be moved, it'll be buddy. Um, getting back just real quick to Emmanuel Terry, you, you, you mentioned, you know, maybe back up four minutes at some point or something like that. I think he's, I think he's strictly a five. He doesn't shoot the three ball at all. Uh, it's another thing that I'm that I've kind of just come to um, recently is almost without exception now in the NBA you can have one guy that's a non three point shooter but if you go beyond that you're in trouble you know it just um, mm -hmm. that's just that's just the way it is these days um, everybody's got to be able to shoot so if he's your one guy um, that that isn't a shooter I think he has to be a five at this point. Mm -hmm. Were there any, I mean, I'm sure there were, what, what, um, non Kings impressed you a lot in Vegas? Cam Thomas, mm -hmm. um, the co-MVP LSU. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he was a guy I was a fan of and high uh, on in college. Um, and he just overwhelmingly confirmed all the enthusiasm, you know, that I had for his game. Uh, he hit a sudden death 
game winner, a uh, three ball that that kind of had that James Harden sidestep, you know, step back. Um, he gets to the foul line uh, with regularity and he converts at a high rate. He was a 90% free throw shooter in college um, in summer league. He shot like 85%. Um, he got to the free throw line 9.7, almost 10 times a game in summer league. Um, I just, I just thought he was great. And to be able to witness that, you know, kind of in person, I sat close to the Brooklyn bench one game and, and watched Cam and just kind of watch how he interacted with uh, coaches and teammates and stuff like that. Uh, um, you know, he, he's a stone faced guy. You wouldn't know if he had 36 points or if he was, you know, two for 15. Um, his expression doesn't change, but, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, and interviews and um, comes from a, a mother who's been in the military. I just, I, I couldn't have been more impressed. Now, in college, he didn't play a lick of defense. And um, he he was I'd say better than indifferent in Las Vegas, which is which is an uptick for him because uh, in the past I'd seen him really kind of just look like oh man I don't even care about defense, but he looked like he was caring and and trying. So so Cam Thomas was definitely one for me. Um, likewise, Jalen Suggs um, from Orlando, uh, I was hyper to see him in person. Wanted to see if what I thought I saw on TV um, would stick out uh, the same way, and, and it really did. His athleticism, um, just kind of his powerful presence that he has, uh, exactly as I expected it. Man, he had a follow dunk in Vegas that was just ridiculous. I, I was, man, I had to get up and, and like walk up <laughs> a couple rows after that one. You know what I mean? It was, it was yes. one of those kind of dunks that you just leave your seat. So um, he was great. I thought Jalen Johnson from the Hawks, he slipped to the 20th pick in the draft, but he was uh, a really unique combination of size, skill, athletic ability. Uh, he averaged 19 points and almost 10 rebounds a game uh, in Vegas and shot the ball pretty well. So um, th those are three guys, Suggs, Johnson, and Cam Thomas really stuck out. And then, you know, there's other, there's some guys that have, that have been around a while. Um, Antonio Blakeney, he was on the Portland team. He's 24 years old now, 6'4 scoring guard, and, I mean, just a bucket getter. Can put it in the hole, get you points any way you need them. So um, there there was a few, definitely. 24 he, was young for that Portland Summer League team. <laughs> yes, 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 it was. Um, you, you mentioned Jalen Johnson. I, I saw during the draft process that you were really high on him. Mm -hmm. I was kind of curious. Uh, was he your guy if you could have made the pick at number nine? And I know Mitchell – was I think well I'd like to hear your thoughts on the Mitchell pick too, just kind of your knee-jerk reaction to that. But who was your your choice at number nine on draft day? It was Jalen Johnson. Yeah, that's who I who I, I said at the time. You know, if it was me, I would have taken Jalen Johnson. Um it, but but also, you know, at the same time, uh when Davion's name came up, I, I wasn't mad at all. Um there there were a couple of guys where I was like, Oh, please don't be, you know, and I don't want to mention names, but there were a couple of guys where I just didn't want, right? And then when they when they said Davion Mitchell, I was like, OK, I can get down with that because, you know, anyone who watched Baylor uh, and watched college basketball just saw what that guy brings. You know, and he, I really think he's a winner. He's a culture guy. Um, certainly no one to be disappointed in, in the Kings drafting. There were uh, several ways to go there. And, I, and I'm glad if it wasn't Jalen Johnson or Cam Thomas, who would have been my next pick, that it was uh, Davion. 
Can you kind of sell me on Jalen Johnson? Because I wasn't as high on him. I just not that I thought he was a raw prospect. I just kind of like what you mentioned about the not only having one non shooter. I'm not entirely sure his, his uh, confident. I should say his shots going to develop. Um, but he's a ridiculous athlete. I mean, you see the type of things he's doing in summer league. He just kind of like reminds me. I think it's funny that he ended up in Atlanta because he reminds me of John Collins kind of in a way where it's like John Collins is like an iPhone nine and Jalen Johnson's like the iPhone 10. Um, just make, make me the, I mean, is that, is that the sell really? Did I just sell I myself? Think, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of that. I think, I think Jalen's more wingy, if that's a word, mm-hmm. than, than I, John Collins. I, 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 I put Collins more in that, you know, traditional power forward who can stretch it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen, I would say is more of a wingy power forward, um, who mm-hmm. has, you know, kind of that, like, like I trust Jalen Johnson off the dribble and in transition as a, as a passer, a lot more than John Collins. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that there's that, I think, he, you know, he can, he can get a rebound rip it and take off with the dribble Jalen Johnson can, um, and, and make a good decision. So that that's where I'm at. I'd also probably give Jalen Johnson a little bit more in the athletic ability just from mm-hmm. uh, a fluidity standpoint. I think John can get a little bit uh, a little bit stiff sometimes. Um, you know, and in Vegas, Jalen Johnson shot it. He he shot mm-hmm. 41% from three-point range and 81% at the free throw line. So um, you know, he he kind of answered some of the questions. It was a real small sample size, obviously, in college. Uh, for, for what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes you just have to step back and look at the prospect. And I, for, for me, I just felt like overall there's, there's too much talent there to, to overlook. Um, but, you know, as we always say, uh, let's, let's check back in five years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll have the answers to all of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at 20, I mean, that's, that's an absolute steal regardless. I, I, I think like you said, the talent is, is there and to get mm-hmm. that kind of talent at 20 is that's no question. Yep. Uh, Especially on like that young Atlanta team too, where they have, they, they have, right, they're pretty fun to watch in the playoffs. They were fun to watch. And now you're at a young talent like Johnson and um, it's Cooper I, too. I mean, it, it, Cooper too. Yeah. He, he was fun. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's a rotation, probably not a rotation guy for them. Uh, Skylar Mays is probably just ahead of him as far as uh, uh, being a, a sound decision maker. But Sharif Cooper, man, he he has some special ability to see the floor and, and to make some crazy passes that are, you know, I think um, if there was a category for leading the NCAA and highlight passes, he would have been <laughs> the guy. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to – Back to the pick at nine, we talked about who you liked, but the pick was Davion Mitchell. And uh, Kings fans, I think the knee-jerk reaction that I saw on draft night was a little disappointed. I know the big name out there was Moses Moody. Everyone liked Moses Moody. They wanted him to come to Sacramento. Uh, How would you evaluate Moses Moody? Do you think he's a guy that would have fit on Sacramento? And based on what you saw in Summer League, has that perception changed at all? Um, He was better than I thought. Um, you know, Moses Moody to me was a guy, I, I like the ability to shoot. I like his length. Um, I didn't think he was a great defender. I didn't think he got after it enough, like kind of content to just be a scorer. I don't, I'm not sure there's a whole lot else to his game other than scoring. Um, but he does that well and, and probably better than I gave him credit for. Um, I thought he looked good in Sacramento. 
thought he had uh, one really good day in Las Vegas where I thought he was probably the best player uh, of that day. Um, overall, you know, I, I think he's a solid pick. He's, you know, he's a guy who's, who's going to shoot it. Um, but, but again, just, you know, if it was Davion versus Moses Moody, and again, we'll, you know, we'll know for sure in five years, but I, I just like the intangibles that, that Davion brings and, and, um, the defensive intensity and ability. And that's not taking anything away from Moses Moody. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, I, I guess I just prefer Davion. Mm, yeah. And uh, Davion obviously was in college for, or he had the Auburn season and then two seasons at Baylor. Uh, when did he first kind of pop up on your radar? Last year, beginning of the year, um, you know, in Baylor games, you, I started to notice that that he had made a big improvement. Um, so I'm talking about like 2019-20, not, not mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. So the, 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 the yeah. Years and dates, they're just, they're all... They've all melted. Like, they all melt together at this point. Yeah, twenty twenty just yeah really what just threw a wrench is, in yeah, everything. Year, Perception yeah. of time. So he was someone I didn't know anything about. Like his his freshman year at Auburn, I barely even remember him being there. Although he played, he played like seventeen minutes a game, I think, uh, as a freshman at Auburn. Then he goes to Baylor red shirts, and then um, so he then he'd be a sophomore after that red shirt season in two thousand nineteen twenty. And that's when I started to see, you know, hey, this guy's this guy's interesting. You know, he, he looks like he can play. Shooting wasn't great. I think he was like a 32% three-point shooter. Um, and then, then this past season, you know, he just takes a big jump in offense and shoots the heck out of the ball, shot like 44% from three-point range. And um, then, the, you know, the defense sticks out and Baylor's winning. And so then, you know, I think that's when – when most of the world was like, okay, this, this guy's are the real deal. And then after the tournament, you know, he went from, I don't know if you guys pay attention to the mock drafts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but you know, he's probably consensus teens, twenties mm-hmm. guy. And then after the tournament, he's like, we're picking him six. You know what I mean? Like I, I kept seeing him just show up everywhere. It was like, it was like the first five were set in stone. And then all of a sudden there was going to be uh, Davion Mitchell. So um, I, I, one more just, tidbit on the Davion thing and this is neither here nor there but it's just something I'll throw out is my wife watches a lot of basketball with me and she has an uncanny track record for being right about prospects like and she doesn't she doesn't speak out much about anyone but she when she when she does she'll be like I like that guy I like that guy I like that guy and Davion was her guy all year and when he <laughs> when his name popped up she did a little dance she's like that's my guy that's my guy <laughs> so that's always uh, the best. That's yeah. very, I, I love to hear it. Yeah, I love to hear it. Yeah. So if if if, uh, if wife street is intact, we got a good one. I'm confident now. I've never I'm, been more confident about the I'm, pick than I am. Right yeah, now. I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 trusting that process for sure. I'm gonna trust that process for sure. Uh, and it comes down to to Davion Mitchell. Uh, the the talk right now of the Sacramento Twitter sphere is the three guard lineup. I, there's a lot of talk about the Kings are envisioning uh, a three guard lineup with, with Mitchell Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. I'm just kind of wondering how you view that. Do you view that as something that you think could work? And, and I know it's a guard. It, the NBA is a guards game right now. Uh, do you like the idea of a Fox Halliburton Mitchell three guard combo? Um, you know, I, I, I've answered this question once before, before by just saying it, and I don't want it to sound like a cop out, but, 
that's, you know, it's really not my area of expertise as far as, you know, the coaching angle. Um, I, I'm much more about trying to trying to evaluate players and what I think their future will be given the landscape of, of the NBA. But I, but I will say this, I think, I think looking at it, you've certainly could have, it comes down to who can you guard. And I think Halliburton can certainly guard threes. He's long enough. He's big enough. Um, I, in my opinion, to, to guard threes in the NBA, especially today's NBA, because that you know threes are shrinking to around six six. You know, usually um, he had so a muscle that, too. Apparently, he had a, he had a ten pounds of muscle, is what the yeah, reports are saying. Which obviously he could he could use. Um, but I just think it's not that much of a stretch at all to see him, you know, guarding uh, threes. And then I think Fox um, could could certainly guard any any two in the NBA. And that would leave Davion on point guards. But I think Davion, given his prowess, can guard most of the twos in the NBA. So from that standpoint, I don't really see an issue with it. Um, you know, I, I think college and NBA are two different things, but there certainly was something to what Baylor did there, having three guys who could take you off the bounce. You know, if it wasn't Mitchell or Butler, it was Macy Oteague, any one of them could get into the paint and create and – and do something and you know that was valuable and so i'd be really interested to see how that would look um you know i haven't heard luke walton say that that's how he's going to do it i think you could just as easily see um you know fox and halliburton starting in and have davion come in as kind of that punt returner special teams guy that just changes the tempo um i think that you know that could be that could just as easily happen as some sort of three guard lineup but yeah i wouldn't be opposed to it that's for sure yeah, and I kind of feel like people are getting a little bit too far ahead of themselves because when you talk about a three-guard lineup, I kind of think in the implication of that is a closing lineup. And, I mean, let you know, Davion Mitchell looks fine and looks like he, he's going to be not your you know average typical rookie in terms of his, his learning scale. But to expect him to you know enter the closing lineup, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying that that's that's an ideal world that uh, I don't think you can just assume. Uh, I if anything, I would expect a three guard rotation. I don't see any reason why you can't have you know if Fox is off, have Davion and Tyrese play, and you know obviously fill in fill in the blank. I don't know. I just I think I feel well, like I, that's a little yeah. step ahead. No, I'm and I'm I'm with you on that, Chris. I think uh, it's really easy, uh, and and not to sound like the get off my lawn guy at all, <laughs> but you know, after you've been around a little bit, a little bit, you do kind of see that, you know, there's there's reality to rookie struggles. There's there's you know, it, the NBA is tough, man, and to to crack the rotation and lineup. I mean, it's it's really something. It's it's not a given. He's gonna have to come in and he's gonna have to prove it. And he's gonna have to be better than if Buddy's on the roster. He's gonna have to be better than Buddy, or he's gonna have to be better than, you know. I mean, and then who knows the way Luke Walton has his closing lineups? He drives me batty with his uh, going going small all the time and Harrison Barnes at the four to close lineups and stuff like that. I'm like, man, that worked in Golden State uh, when you had. <laughs> You know Steph and Draymond and, and Clay and Clay Thompson, but this is Sacramento and we don't have that. So can we please leave a center on the floor at all times and then uh, some semblance of a four man on the floor? Like uh, can I have a Bagley, a, a Metu? Dude, what was Metu? Let me get your take on that. I, so I feel you. He pushed him in the back and that would piss me off too. But 
dude, you can't, you just can't go socking it, somebody. Yeah. No, yeah, it's 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 tough. Like, and we've all probably played basketball or pickup or, or right. played in high school. And yeah, it's it's very jarring when you get knocked out of the air like that. And that was like that was not a clean foul. No. But that being said, like we like you just said, Bobby. You can't come and throw a, a a punch into his face like he was going for the kill there, and yeah. it's just, you, you see it in basketball more so where people have to get separated and usually it's more bark than bite. But um, while I'm happy to see a king a player in a king's jersey showing some some yeah. fight after especially I mean, the last the last year and the, the Metu Valanciunas thing that's that's a whole other discussion about how should he have been hanging on the rim did he did Valanciunas yeah I. I that no one coming to his aid definitely is something I think that was still in his head. And the fact that he didn't stand up for himself, uh, Bobby Jackson after the game too, I think it's always on like your mind when it comes down to it, when something like that mm-hmm. happens, but you, you can't go throw a punch at someone's face. Chris, I mean, do you feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, he was wild to throw the punch. Um, I mean, also like Chemezi, you're trying to dunk on the dude from like outside like, the <laughs> circle, like, like three, point, the three point line. Like that's a little dis not dis. I mean, it's it's you're you're not just going like someone's not just going to allow that to happen. And again, like yeah. was it a clean foul? No, but was it dirty? I wouldn't say he really gave him anything special. He knocked him out the air, like you said, Frankie. I think that can be jarring, but um, maybe it, I mean you know when you're I've never been that high in the air before, so maybe when you're <laughs> that high in the air, it feels pretty scary to come down. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe he yeah. was just really high in the air and he fell and he was like, that felt like that was really scary. Uh, but, you know, yeah, don't don't just in general. Frank, we talked about this like two weeks ago when we were talking about fan etiquette. Like, just don't hit people. Just don't. Yeah. Like, don't. What are you getting in a fight for? Like, I don't what are think. You doing? Yeah. I think it was it didn't warrant a punch. Like Bobby, do you feel I don't think it warranted him going to actually try to punch him in the face. I, is that kind of the way you saw it too? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, no, I, there's there's no place for that. I mean, you know, no. it's, Chimezi's interesting. I mean, obviously he's feeling himself a little bit, right? I mean, Nigeria did their thing, and he's yeah. he's you know he's already a confident guy. Like he he doesn't turn down shots. I don't know if you guys no, noticed that, but I mean, it's like, if the ball comes to him, yeah, it's, uh, it's a wrap. It's right? going up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad somebody else sees this. Cause sometimes oh, I feel I crazy. It. Well, well there was that it. run. That's people like the aggressiveness. The I get NBA, it. Though, he doesn't have that. I mean, you have to, at some point you've got to, you know, get aggressive and, and score for yourself. And, and he does that. I mean, he fills that role. I guess that's, that's his thing is he's going to come in and give somebody some buckets. Yeah. And I think that's what people see and they're instantly just like, yeah, like I like this guy. He's not afraid to look for his shot. And it's like, well, maybe, you know, like just, just that much, just a yes. little bit of fear is healthy. Oh, you know? Absolutely, Chris. Absolutely. He needs to turn down about 15 to 20% of those and keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he went on that hot streak. I think uh, I can't remember what game it was, but he, he hit a he hit a hot streak last season. I think he hit two threes back to back, and then uh, the the next time down the floor, and you have the heat check. I get it, but the, the offense wasn't even set yet. It, it was like not even really a full on fast break, and he just pulls up. Like he pulled up and just chucked a three, and it's yeah. just like I mean that's the kind of stuff where it's like I can see Buddy Buddy Heald doing that, but yeah. Chemezi. My man, you gotta, you yeah. gotta just you gotta earn those. I'm you sorry, gotta, like, you gotta <laughs> get a clean look to just pull up from thirty and chuck it. But yeah, uh, I think he's about like, you know he's a ten to fifteen minute game NBA guy. You know, in my opinion, right now, like you know maybe a a backup four or something like that that comes in and and 
and does that. And if he gets rolling on a night, he, you know, he might really, might really help you. But, but yeah, Chris, he's, he has to improve the other aspects of this game and, and be a more complete basketball player. Yeah. And I think especially, I mean, not to just continue. To no, I, him. But <laughs> I, 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 I think defensively is really where I would like to see him improve because to me, he should be one of the best shot blockers on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, I, I, with his body and his leaping ability, I would like to see him try and be a rim protector. And you really haven't seen his ability to play the five, which is where I think he could really be a, a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that all how that all works out. You know, we well, have, go ahead. No, sorry. I mean, especially it's kind of hard to invi- I mean, we have what five centers in the roster right now. I think we right. Rashawn Holmes, Alex Len, Tristan Thompson technically is a center, but I know he plays yeah. power forward too. Um, and and then Kato was drafted. He'll be in Stockton. But do you think uh, Damian Jones as well? That's Jones. my next point. Da- Damian Jones had his option fully. His contract's fully guaranteed for next season, mm-hmm. and that puts Met to you in kind of an interesting spot because he's partially guaranteed. Is is there a world like where you, you think that Chemezi Metu might not be guaranteed come December and, and Damian Jones is is I just to, to me I, I just think it's interesting because Chemezi is a guy I kind of think deserves a look. Like you said, 10, 15 minutes. He does have a lot of raw uh talent, athleticism. Like Chris said, he has wild bounce he should be blocking more shots and maybe he'll develop that down the road i know he's 23 but um do you envision him as a part of this king's roster i think he has a chance you know as much as we've been kind of crushing on him here just a little bit you know he's he's still he's a dude that you know he did shoot 35 percent, i think from three-point range last year um so he can stretch the floor a little bit at that size um, you know, I, I think he, I see him more as a four than a five. Um, and, and so, you know, if Marvin Bagley's here and Marvin does his thing and, and, uh, and Chemezi's the backup, I guess I'd, I'd be cool with that. Um, but, but we'll see, you know, um, there's still, I, I don't, don't really know what to make sometimes of all the, all the noise that surrounds Marvin. Um, obviously, you know, the injuries are, it is what it is. You know, he can't can't go back and change it. He doesn't try to get injured. Uh, but at the same time, no one wants to hear that. Like Kings fans are so sick of, you know, excuses and 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 different things with Marvin being out. It, it gets tougher and tougher to defend him uh, all the time. And he hasn't handled everything maybe uh, perfectly. Um, but at the same time, man, I think back to when I was that age and how much. You know, my parents' influence meant to me and different things I did. And, and you know, it's just it's just really hard for me to, to throw any stones at, at Marvin. So um, we'll see. You know, I, I still believe in Marvin, the basketball player. I think he's mm-hmm. – uh, I don't think there are many guys who can, can run and, and get off the floor the way he can. Um, he, he's gotten better as a three-point shooter. We saw him last year trying, trying to take some charges even. Um, you know, so those, I, I thought those were all good things. He just has to stay healthy somehow, some way. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes the look on Chris's face, heart, it's man. like, yeah. It's like, heart, I, I wish, it's like, I wish, I, I hope, I wish. Because I'm right there with you. I totally believe in Marvin Bagley, the basketball player, and and just all the off the court stuff. And like you said, just, I mean, I'm I'm not too far off Marvin's age, like, my parents would have a huge influence on me too. So it's hard. It It is hard for me to throw stones, but um, 
I don't know. Yeah. It, it, well, it's, it's, it, it's a process. It, it, it's frustrating. And I think Kings fans and they don't do a very good job of, of supporting Marvin Bagley. They, they, yeah, he's been hurt a lot and people shouldn't go at him for that stuff. Cause again, it's not his fault. He doesn't want to be injured. Um, but it is something that always is on my mind because he's going to be good. It's some, I think he is going to be a good basketball player. I just, I would like it to be here. Um, uh, and it's just, it, it's just the question is, can't, can he? And again, we'll have an answer to that pretty shortly here. If, if they roll in the training camp and, and no, no move is made, but, um, Marvin Bagley is going to be a free agent next year. And I know that he said this off season, he, he sees the guys from his draft class. Deandre Ayton was in the NBA finals. He was shining. Trey young, put himself on the map, got a max deal. Um, then we all, we all know about the L word. We don't really need to get yeah. too much into the yeah. L word, but, um, if Marvin Bagley is able to put together a fully healthy season, what kind of potential do you see in him? Oh, I think he's a 20 and 10 guy. I mean, just, he's a walking, you know, 20 and 10 guy. He, he's, you know, or maybe it's 16, 10, I don't know, but I mean, he's, he, he can score and he can rebound and he, and he played a big role in college. Um, he, he was a star in college and, and he's shown flashes here. You know, I, I really thought, at first, the inability to make three-point shots, I thought, really hampered him because then he was kind of pigeonholed into really his only effective position was a five. Now that he can make threes, I think you can play him a lot more as a four, um, and that's what the Kings need, in my opinion, is someone else to, to play alongside Rashawn uh, that's big, you know, because I, I just thought there were way too many games where uh, Harrison's out there undersized as a four man and we're giving up offensive rebounds and, and um, just not defending strong at the basket. Not that Marvin's any great defender, but he has a potential with the arms and the, and the, and the size uh, to, to be that guy. So, um, and you know, people are sick of hearing it, but he's still, he's still young. What is he? Is he, has he turned 22 yet? Is he still 21? Uh, he, he, really he think. just, he just turned 22, I think in okay. March in March, I believe. Okay. Uh, so yeah, young guy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm with you. I just would hate to have us do, you know, you see this sometimes in the NBA, one team does all the, the, the hard work and heavy lifting with a prospect and they finally get them propped up and they're ready to go and be a good NBA player. And then they give up on them and trade them to, you know, someone else for the poopoo platter. And, and I <laughs> don't want that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that would not be ideal, especially yeah, with someone of Marvin's not again. talents and not, not everything again. that we've yeah. invested emotionally and uh, with draft picks. It would just it would not be nice to just see him drift off. It would yeah, be very. Can- go ahead, sorry, good Bobby. Go ahead. I was just gonna say another thing that, and maybe this is just me, but as a fan, and and it's probably just a romanticized, uh, uh, you know, fantasy uh, as a fan, but. I like the teams that do it organically, like that 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 start with their draft picks, and and as a fan base, you get to watch these guys mature, and you feel like they're a part of your family. And to me, that's just the best way to be a fan of a team, and and to have and to grow with a team. I, I, there's just something about that I, I, that I just really enjoy. So um, I hope somehow, some way that that Marvin does, you know, have an injury injury free season, and he flourishes. And, you know, there's some people who maybe will give him a second chance and, and kind of 
fall back in love with that player that we first saw in that first Capital or California Classic game where he was like dunking on fools and we were like, oh, look at this. We have an elite athlete. You know what I mean? So um, that's that's what I would like to see. To me, that's much more fun than – and Lakers fans, sorry to tell you this, but I just don't dig it. I don't like – I don't. I don't dig getting a bunch of old veterans and and pay, overpaying and kind of buying your way to yeah. to wins. To me, I mean, I guess if you're a Laker fan, that's what you do, and so you 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 stand behind it. And and you know, if I grew up in L.A., I'd probably be saying, "What the heck are they doing in Sacramento? How come they? Yeah. How come they never? You know, how come they always put all their faith in in the youth?" But um, but that's how I like to do it. I don't mean to come off like, and I don't think any Lakers fans are listening to this, so it's fine. I mean, <laughs> that you, that can say this. Um, and I, 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 when I was in college, uh, I, I went to in Chico, and I had a friend of mine that was a big Laker fan, and this was about six years ago. And they, he, his screensaver on his phone, and I'm not even kidding, was like every star player in a Lakers jersey. And back then, you know, LeBron wasn't, the, but the players on that on that photo were LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. Russell Westbrook, Anthony uh-huh. Davis when he was coming up. Yeah. And I thought about that today. I was like, it it's it came true, but they're all like Anthony Davis is a he's a star and he's only twenty eight, but it just kinda that premonition kind of came true a little too late in my wow. opinion. Like you said, I I don't think that adding a bunch of 34, 35 year olds is gonna is gonna be the pathway to a, cha- a ring. I might be wrong. Maybe Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they create a three headed monster that defeats Brooklyn I don't know um but it's just something I wanted to just tell you guys that I, I thought about that today like that screensaver six years ago <laughs> it kind of came it kind of came true but also like it's just delusional because they how do you have that edge of screen that'd be like me having like Giannis in a King's jersey on my phone like <laughs> like da- dapping up dapping up Luca or, or Trey Young it's just why 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 do they do that I just don't understand it but I just yeah. wanted to yeah, I think fans for, are a different breed, man. Yeah, for for the record, I think the Lakers are going to be good just because yeah. they're just too much greatness for them to not be yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I hear you. I didn't know you were a Chico guy. Yeah, yeah, Chico. Uh, just just for a cup of coffee. I went to Butte before I came back here and finished in Sacramento. But I, I I was I went to Butte College. Uh, lived there for two years. Loved it. My girlfriend went to, to college there, at Chico State. My parents in the Chico State. So I, I have some wild cat in my blood here. Right on. My my uh, my parents used to live in Chico. So really, it's a good yeah. town, man. It, it's it's a good town. It just kind of it's it gets a little it's a little like I'm I'm 27 now and I think it's too old for like I can't really go out and and party with the, the kids <laughs> in Chico anymore. I'm not that right. age, but it, it, it's it's let a great college you, town. Let me tell you something. 27 is not old, brother. You need to, I mean, keep it. Trust me. As someone who was like a DJ into his forties uh, in nightclubs and stuff like that, you've got plenty of time. It's when they start. I'll tell you when you'll know. When you start going to the mall and they call you sir, that's when you know it's over. It's a wrap. As soon as they I, start calling you sir. All right, fine. I, I'll I'll be at Riley's and Chico tomorrow. Then I hope everyone's there you ready. Go. <laughs> yep. He's kidding. Uh, yeah. Wow, I've been I've been calling people. I man, I've been thinking it's a respect thing, and I call people sir all the time. And now I've learned I I need to stop. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it, it makes people feel old. Exactly. That's exactly it's like ma'am, like ma'am yeah. too. Like ma'am, I, I I try to be respectful too, and I get a lot of bad reactions yeah. to ma'am, and yeah. I, I I've stopped doing that. Now I say I, I don't want to say miss either, but like ma'am, I get more like oh why'd you call me ma'am then. That was respectful, but sir, sir, same way, sir, same way. So 
to all you out there that are over the age of like 38, 9, 40, I'll, I'll stop. Yeah, I I just, uh, it, it was Damian Barling's birthday the other day, and I said, happy birthday, OG. And then he, he was like, OG is something that they call old guys. And I was like, <laughs> I literally didn't respond. There's no way Damian's listening to this, but if he is, I'm like, I, I, I didn't say anything because I was like, damn, man, you're right. <laughs> I uh, it's, I'm just I'm just teasing you guys, but it, but it, yeah. but it is kind of true. You know what I mean? There's a certain point. I'm just thinking like, so I was in Vegas last week, and so, okay, I'm 53 now and i used to i mean i used to go to the clubs in vegas all the time and this time i finally i think maybe the last three or four trips i was probably still in my late 40s not like getting it in at the club but at least still you know <laughs> going there appearance. and checking it out you know what i mean like uh going under the guise of oh i'm a dj and i and i like to check out the djs and you know that kind of stuff so um but yeah, it'll catch up with you, man. I'm just saying. So enjoy it while you can. If you're 27, you're youthful and you have plenty of time. I'll cherish it. I definitely will. I I, I will not forget that. I promise. And I, I'll <laughs> right I'll on. stop saying it's a bad habit. My my we, my girlfriend and I we 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 have this bad habit of saying oh we're getting old. But it's like we thought we were getting old two years ago, and then we'll think when we're 35 we'll think we're getting old. And then when we're 40, so yeah, I think we should just enjoy it. And I remember uh, that though. Like I I specifically remember that I was. I had a DJ gig right when I was 35 years old. And I, I remember thinking, am I too old for this? Like it's, you know, and, 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 and then you, you know, by the time you're 45, then you really start to think, oh, yeah. it's like, maybe yeah. it's like, am I too old now? Like Here's every year. Thing, though, it's just like, there's, you're never too old to have fun. You know what I mean? It's like, who Definitely. cares? Just uh, uh, shave, shave the gray off and, and roll. Definitely, man. My my mom is fifty six, and she has more fun than than I do. Probably she she she's keep my grandma is man. She's yeah, they, traveling to New Orleans like twice a month, going to Chicago. I'm like, yo, like, all right, great. Well, Bob, uh, Bobby, your your father, uh, Gary Gerald, obviously traveled all the time. I'm the sure legend, he, you know. Yeah, he's 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 traveled all across the map. Yeah, no, he's uh, definitely you know. It, doing the Kings for, he started in 1985 when they first came here. So I actually went with him to the the very first practice. They were the Kansas City Kings and they, they practiced at American River College. They came here uh, right after, um, I think there was like two games left in the NBA regular season and they were still the Kansas City Kings. And, you know, the, the word was out that they were going to move to Sacramento. So they came to Sacramento, had an open gym practice at American River College. Kings fans are there, you know, standing and cheering and going crazy. And, um, you know, they come out to do their layup line and, and it's like standing ovation and noise and stuff. And Reggie Theus and LaSalle Thompson and Mike Woodson, those guys are looking at each other like, what in the world is, you know, <laughs> at this what junior college basketball gym? Yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, were, were you there for opening night, the first game in Sacramento? I was. I actually, so my dad, um, Kevin Harlan was the radio play-by-play voice of the Kansas City wow. Kings at the time. Legend, and also legend. He did not want to move to Sacramento. So um, he wanted to, you know, do his thing and because he, he was doing the Chiefs and, and other stuff. So he wanted to stay in Kansas City. So they were going to need a new radio announcer. So at, at the time – uh, the guy in charge of the Kings um, was Joe Axelson. He was like the general manager. And he told my dad, um, you know, hey, we're looking for an announcer. I want you to try out. 
um, you've been suggested by you know some different people that would you know you'd be a good fit and this and that, but we need to hear you. So last two games of the 84-85 season, um, Kings played the Warriors and the Lakers. Lakers first, then the Warriors. And so I went with my dad. We went down to LA. Um, the games at the at the Forum in Inglewood. Uh, we had nosebleeds right up next to Chick Hearn, and my dad brought a, a little tape recorder radio. He called the game into a little tape recorder, you know, thing with a cassette. I kept stats for him, and he got that that game on tape. And after the game, I remember, you know, going in the locker room and talking to these Kings guys. And I'm all into music at the time, and and they just couldn't have been nicer to me, you know. Otis Thorpe and Reggie Theus were talking about music and fashion and all this kind of stuff, and I was just like, "This is it! I love the NBA." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the the very next day, we flew to Oakland. Um, played the Warriors, and we had courtside joints for that one, so that was great. So I kept stats for my dad. He called the game into the um, little tape recorder again, and it ended up that um, the the Axelson guy, the general manager, he he had to drive from Sacramento back to Kansas City as part of his move, and he listened to those tapes on the drive, and um, he called up my dad and said, you know what? Uh, for someone who hasn't done basketball in like over 10 years, you are a lot better than you had the right to be. And, uh, you know, we, we think we think we want to go forward with you, you know, as the announcer for the Kings. So so that's kind of how it all came together. And then um, he uh, he started out, you know, that that next season did all the preseason games. And, and yeah, I was there at that first game it was against the Clippers in 1985. Derek Smith gave it to the Kings. I remember. That's right, man. And, and it's something that I look at. And again, your dad, a guy who I grew up listening to G-Man. I mean, my, my dad and I would be in the car driving places. Just, it was awesome to, to be able to have a guy as good as what he does as your dad. And I just was wondering as far as being in – I never got to go to Arco 1. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't born yet. What was that environment – people talk about it still. Larry Bird, the missed free throws. I mean, what mm-hmm. was that environment like in that first – arena like i know that that arco that's right around the corner from me here i'm in the thomas uh, that's still standing that it's not gonna be standing much longer but it had its own sound that people will, will remember forever but the first arco was it just a different feel yeah because it was so small it was 10,333 and and they put it together very quickly so it was all wood-based um you know floors for people to stomp their feet on so it had like this you know the arco thunder they called it and people stomping their feet on those wooden floors and it just made a certain noise that um was was pretty unbelievable and it was real intimate you felt like you were right on top of the players um even more so than than arco 2 or or golden one center which i think they still did a good job of, of keeping the intimacy but that was just a different level of of intimacy locker rooms were incredibly small um probably the worst and smallest locker rooms for visitors you know that you could imagine um the king's locker room was nothing special it was um, it was interesting. I actually used to work at, at the arena too. I, I used to run the audio board there and uh, do the sound mixing. Got that job probably I think when I was a senior in high school. Um, wow! And and that that was a trip too because at that time it was the World Wrestling Federation. I guess WWF was the was the thing. And so I'm not into wrestling, but. I had to sit through a million trillion of those things that people would kill to see, like, you know, all the Macho Man Savage, the Hulk Hogan, all. I mean, they were regulars. They'd come through there all the time. And, the you know, they'd give you a little music sheet and, you know, 
early on, you know, I knew right away how fixed everything was because they'd be like, okay, when he gets to this point of the show and he's got him in the corner, you know, and he's giving him this, then you're going to play this music. And yeah. it's like, okay, I got it. I got in, it. Hi, in, high, in high school, that had to be like the coolest like flex to put on people. They're like, oh, I work at, I work at Arco. It I'm was drunk. a pretty cool gig. It, yeah. I, I can't find that all. It was pretty cool. And then, you know, it was a different time then too, like in, in the, and the players didn't make as much money and it was just, everything was just different. Like my dad was really friendly with those guys. They'd come over and, and eat at the house and, you know, and hang out. Like, so um, it was, it was just a different time. I got to be friends with, with quite a few of those guys, you know, back in the days and they treated me like a little brother. LaSalle Thompson, I remember, he had a fashion designer in Los Angeles that would make him clothes, custom clothes. Jeff Hamilton, I think, was the dude's name. And um, and I was always like, man, LaSalle, you're, so, you're always so fresh and this and that. So he, unbeknownst to me, had Jeff Hamilton make me like a jean suit with a jacket and leather and all this kind of stuff. It was too big and it was, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> I didn't care, man. I was like, I'm going to, I'm wearing this, you know, and then LaSalle every once in a while. I remember one day I was at the arena doing something for uh, audio and, and uh, the Kings were having a practice there and I, I wanted to go get some lunch and LaSalle's like here. And he's throws me the keys to his Mercedes. And I'm, he's like, you know, go get some KFC. That is awesome. Those really were the the days. I mean, it was I was so privileged beyond mm-hmm. belief just because I you know got got lucky and was the radio announcer's kid. You know. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite on the court memory, or like a game, or, like a game, a game that you were at? Yeah. Like, is there a, is there a game like that stands out to you? Like a moment that was just like reign supreme. There were there's two or three. The the first year they beat the Celtics, who went on to win the world championship. That that was huge. Um, the the when they played Seattle in the playoffs, what was that, 94, 95-ish? Um, yeah. That first home game, I was actually doing radio at that time for uh, KHDK and – or no, was it KHDK? Yeah, it was KHDK. Um, it was. And um, the the intensity of the noise was just incredible. It was – you know, the Kings were in the playoffs and hadn't been in, in so long since that first year – and the people just went crazy. And so so just to hear, that's the loudest I've ever heard uh, any arena, anywhere, anytime, anything. I mean, concerts, anything. It was just like, it, it was incredible. And um, so so that one definitely sticks out. Um, I wasn't there, but the the game in uh, in Chicago where they came from like, what, 35 30, points 30, down? I think it was 38, yeah. Yeah. So 35, that, 35, I mean, yeah. Those are some of those once-in-a-lifetime type type things you know that you're gonna see but that's why i love basketball because you just never know right i mean on a given night you just don't know what you're what you're gonna see sometimes it's looks like it's gonna be a blowout and then the second half things completely reverse fortune and and your team's on top so let's not talk let's not talk about the brooklyn game from two seasons ago when the kings had a 27 point lead Uh, that's my game where i look i will always remember i'll remember that game when i'm when i'm 80 years old i'll be like oh yeah it was a 27 point lead with 11 minutes left, and then it got down to 15, then it got down to 10, then 8, and then I just – D'Angelo Russell will haunt my nightmares. But uh, yeah, the, That was the D'Angelo Russell game, right? Yeah, it was a D'Angelo Russell game. And, and it's funny you say that the, the Sonic series, it's just that's that's one that I've heard – and I was too – I was like I was one or two when that happened. I, mm-hmm. It's one that I I have heard 
every year as a Kings fan, people always say like, they'll compare this to, to that series against the Sonics. Mm-hmm. And um, it is just something I just wanted to, to point out that I, I wish we got to witness some of this stuff. I know we're hopefully yeah. we'll get to, to sit and, and witness some, some good times ahead and, and golden one can have some better days, but um, it's just really cool that you got to experience all this stuff, man. Like it's awesome. So we'd, we'd it, love. Yeah, it really was. I, I, like I said, I've been, I've been blessed to, to be the son of the radio guy for sure, you know, through, through just, you know, different connections and, and, and different things. And I had my own little cup of coffee with the team there for a couple of years and wasn't very good at it and it didn't work out for me. And, and, um, you know, it was just, things were just, things are different. And, um, I, I, I wish I could go back and, and do a lot of things different. That's why I'm always so, uh, I guess, forgiving of, of the youth and, and different things that go on, especially when it comes to, you know, the parents and their influence and, and different things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, we appreciate you being on. Um, you're awesome, Frank. Do you have any? any no, more? just 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 thank you, Bob. We'd love to have you on again yeah. soon. And just and honestly, just your stories are are uh, <laughs> captivating for me. I mean, a guy that grew up loving the Kings, like I I love to, I love hearing all this stuff. So just you, we we appreciate you and and you're obviously you're, you're great at what you do. We love seeing mm-hmm. what you do, hoop obsession, and uh, it's, it's it's things that myself and others out there that that don't watch as much college basketball definitely I I think appreciate is is being enlightened on some of these guys and and uh we just appreciate having you on man please come back again soon i would love to i, I really enjoy the conversation i appreciate both of you guys and uh, yeah if anyone uh wants to follow me on twitter i'm at bobby gerald um you can you can find me right there and uh hoopobsession.com i'm i'm finishing up um I, every year i do a, a long summer league wrap up um and so i'm finishing that up should have it posted here in the next couple of days i'll say um and and that'll have more of a deep dive into everything that i saw there at summer league and also some tidbits about good places to eat there i mean you know me i'm gonna i'm gonna cover all of it, so. we, we need it all you yes. heard him Every, everyone follow bobby please he, the great content obviously we all know what what's food food spots eat at too so let's uh <laughs> talk. bobby thank you so much man you got it guys i appreciate you